G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. One of the things that many of us are suspicious about are ministries who ask for money. Religion and money can be a toxic combination, and yet God has a plan to involve His people in His work. So does God really need our money, or is He after something else entirely? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today, we're continuing in this series where we're taking a look at money matters from a kingdom perspective, from God's perspective, because a wrong heart attitude towards money, frankly, is ruining many a life. So let's dive into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in a few minutes, I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God so that you can live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to bring you. I used to wonder a lot why it is that God in his book, his story, his love letter to us, this thing that we call the Bible, I used to wonder why is it that God talks so much about money? Why does he talk about it so much, so directly and so painfully sometimes? And to tell you the truth, I used to be very sceptical of Christian ministries like the one in which I now serve, who put out their hands that's how I saw it, for money. Hang on, hang on, hang on. This all smells a bit fishy. And so the picture I had in my head was quite simply this. This thing called the Bible is just a book written by a bunch of self-serving religious people who want to get their hands on my hard-earned cash. It's honestly how I saw it. I don't have that view anymore, although I still am a bit sceptical of the televangelist who asks me for money to buy a jet or who drives a Rolls Royce, I have to say. I believe in being a wise steward of what God's given me, and I see a whole bunch of more pressing needs in this world than those. And so today, in this second message in this series called Money Matters, A Kingdom Perspective, what I wanted to do is to share with you the profound teaching from God's Word that changed my mind about this this money thing. The thing that helped me let go of the tight rein on my purse strings and open my heart and my wallet to the desperate needs of people, physical, emotional and spiritual, right across this world. Every now and then, we receive a letter or an email here at Christianity Works asking a very simple question about ministry and money. Generally, the question goes something like this. Okay, if you guys are a faith ministry like you say you are, if you really do believe that God will provide all your needs, why is it you just sent me a letter asking me for money? Why don't you just rely on God? You know what? That is not an unreasonable question. In fact, it's quite a good question. And the assumption that seems to underpin it is that having faith in God for his provision and involving people in supporting his work, that those two are somehow mutually exclusive. The assumption is this, if you guys had faith, God would just provide. So don't send out letters and emails. Now, I want to look at that by taking you and me, for that matter, to the Bible, directly into God's word. It was at a time when God was commanding Moses to build the very first tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the mobile forerunner, if you will, to the temple that was ultimately built in Jerusalem many years later 
by King Solomon. Have a listen. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to take for me an offering. From all those whose hearts prompt them to give, you shall receive the offering for me. The offering that you shall receive from them, gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and crimson yarns and fine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skin, fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and gems to be set in the ephod for the breastpiece. And have them make me a sanctuary so that I may dwell among them. That comes from Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 to 8. All the things in that list were incredibly valuable things. But please, please note with me God's approach. God commanded Moses to go to God's people and to ask them to give an offering. Not to cajole them, not to twist their arms, not to shame them or manipulate them, but to go to all those whose hearts prompt them to give. It was those whose hearts had been moved to give from whom Moses was to receive this precious offering unto the Lord. So here in the Bible, God commands the very first fundraiser. God commands Moses to go and ask God's people for money. So it seems that faith on the one hand and engaging God's people in giving on the other, well, they're not mutually exclusive in God's eyes. As it turns out, exactly the opposite is true. They're intimately connected. So does God really need my money? Does he need your money? Again, it's not a bad question. The last time I checked, God was the creator of the whole universe. He owns it all. Everything that's in it was made for his glory and his pleasure. He owns the cattle, the Bible tells us, on a thousand hills. So, no, my hunch is that God isn't sitting up there in heaven sweating on my donation or yours. See, God isn't anxious or concerned about how he's going to fund his mighty deeds on this earth. And nor should any ministry or minister in God's service be so concerned. Completely to the contrary. Jesus clearly taught us that God knows every need and that when we first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all that we need to meet our needs will follow along behind. Matthew chapter 6. And as I look throughout my Bible from Moses, whom we've just discussed, right through to the Apostle Paul, who did a whole bunch of fundraising for the Christians in Jerusalem who were suffering in a famine, what I see is that the way that God usually works, not always, but usually, is that he involves his people in funding his work. Let me say that again. He involves his people in funding his work. God's normal practice is to get us involved. So if he doesn't actually need our money, why does he do that? The reason is that he wants not so much our money, but our hearts. Remember what he said to Moses, who was to give those whose hearts prompted them to give? And God knows that our hearts attached to our wallets. Now, I'm sorry to be that direct, but it's true. That's exactly what Jesus said. Now, this comes from a wonderful passage of teaching about not worrying all the time as to how our physical needs are going to be met. This is what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. He said, don't store up for yourself treasures here on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves can break in and steal them. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now you think it'll be the other way around. Where your heart is, that's where you'll put your treasure. (laughs) But it's not that way. If we hoard all our wealth up for ourselves, then that's where our heart will ultimately be wrapped up in ourselves. That's why if we hang on to our money, we end up serving the false god of mammon, wealth. And as Jesus clearly points out in doing that, we're misplacing our faith. We're putting our faith in something that just won't deliver 
More about that another time. If on the one hand we invest in the kingdom of God as he calls us so to do, as he moves our hearts in one direction or the other towards this need or that one, then our hearts will end up resting firmly in God. Our trust will end up in him for all his provision rather than our temporal wealth. We can only serve one or the other, God or wealth. You can't serve them both. That's precisely what Jesus said. Either we'll be a slave to the one or we'll be a slave to the other. God knows that, and that's why he involves us financially in supporting his work, to give us the opportunity to have a change of heart, and that always costs us something. Friend, let me say it again. God doesn't need our money. Instead, he wants our hearts. He wants all of us, and he knows that involving us in sacrificial giving, that's exactly what he'll get. It's a God thing. What someone gives, which kingdom work or ministry that he or she supports, and how much they give. Now, those things are entirely between that person and God. In your giving, it's between you and God. The point is simply this. God wants our hearts, and he knows how bound up our hearts can be in our wallets. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. For anyone with a heart to follow Jesus, there comes a time when we feel torn between giving things up for his sake and accumulating wealth for our own sakes. It's like being a dog with two masters and frankly, you just can't live your life like that. Eventually, something has to give. Let me ask you, have you ever been on a sporting team where there's an argument or disagreement or dissension? In Australia, where I live, sometimes you sit within political parties. There's, there's backbiting or there's arguing. And instead of playing on the one team against the other team, which is how our system of government works, they end up playing against one another. And here's what happens. Any team that's fighting amongst itself simply isn't going to win, whether it's a football game on the sporting field or an election to take a government. Division dissension, argument, disagreement, all that horrible, terrible stuff tears a team apart. And when it's torn apart, everyone has to focus on that division, first winning, then it so often happens, bayoneting the wounded, as we used to say in the army, and then hopefully healing. And the longer this division and dissension go on, the worse it gets. Now, imagine if instead of that happening amongst a team of people, that this division is happening within you and me within our hearts, that our hearts are torn between the one thing and the other, between doing this and doing that, believing this or believing that. 
I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you, but as a Christian, I know that whenever I'm tempted, that's exactly what's going on. I want to do one thing. I want to honour God. But as the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, I'm torn with following after my desires against God's will. And that, that can't go on. Now, we've been chatting so far this week about this whole issue of God and money. Why? Because a lot of people are drowning in debt. A lot of people haven't learned to use money as a servant rather than allowing their desire for wealth to master them and control them and enslave them. Remember, it's not money itself here that's at fault, but our love of money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many pains. And I know so many people who are living with a divided heart on this matter of money. It may well be that they're giving to God's work, to their church or to the poor and needy, to this or to that. Perhaps they're even tithing, giving 10% of their income to God's work. And yet they still have a divided heart over money. On the one hand, they want to serve God, but, but even with what they're giving, they know that they still have more than enough to meet every woman, every desire, to build their wealth, to produce more wealth, so they can have a bigger house. See, once you have money, it becomes a whole bunch easier to make more money. Or some people, some have managed to get themselves into so much debt that they simply can't afford to support God's work, to give money to the poor, to support their local church or, or the other things they feel God's really calling them to be involved in. As someone involved in this ministry, Christianity Works, that produces these radio programs, something we actually can only do with the support of faithful people who pray for us and give financially, you see, I see this quite frequently. This is a common thing. Ah, oh, I'd love to support you, but my business isn't doing well, or I'm unemployed, or I don't have a lot of cash at the moment. I had one man tell me that, and then promptly take his rather large family off, not on just a holiday, but on a pretty expensive overseas holiday. Now, please don't get me wrong. The last thing I'm doing here is getting all bitter and twisted about this phenomenon. My faith, my faith is in God. And even through some of the most financially dire situations over the years, he has always showed up, he has always provided for our needs, invariably through his people. What concerns me here, though, is the deception. Ah, oh, I don't have enough money to support God's work. In my experience, it's almost never about not having enough money. It's about the priorities we have, which, if we examine those priorities, would tell us a lot about the divided nature of our hearts. I want to take you to meet a man called Cornelius. We meet him first in Acts chapter 10. He's the man whom God chooses first to reveal the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Remember, up until this point, everyone thought that God, therefore his son, was the God of the Jews. God had a much, much bigger plan than that. And the linchpin here is Cornelius. Question is, why did God choose him and not someone else? Acts chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, he stared at the angel in terror and said, What is it, Lord? The angel answered, Your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. Why did God choose Cornelius? Because he was a prayer and a giver. And both those things told God that this man's heart was right. 
He was a man whom God would trust to be the entry point for the good news of Jesus into the Gentile world. What we do with our time and our money tells us an awful lot about what's going on in our hearts. Cornelius' heart was sold out to God completely and utterly, and that ascended as a memorial before God. In other words, it got God's attention. God noticed there was something going on here in this man's heart. The alternative is a divided heart. Have a listen to what Jesus says about that. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself can stand. Now, Jesus was saying that in a totally different context. Some people were accusing him of being powered by the devil instead of by God when he'd cast a demon out, and those words were his response. But the principle of what he's saying, a kingdom, a city, a house, and let's follow it right down, a heart, divided against itself, cannot stand. Why are so many Christians struggling in their lives? Because they have a heart divided against itself. Flip-flopping between God and mammon, God and wealth. Jesus said over and over again, you can't do that. You can only serve the one or the other. You can't be a slave to both. The only way I learned how to do that to be set free from this desire for wealth and to serve God instead. On reflection, the only way I think that any of us can learn is to make decisions to be involved in supporting the various kingdom works that God calls us to support, to the level he calls us to, that he moves our hearts to, and then to go and do that, even if it costs us the holiday, even if it costs us something else that we really want, to give not the loose change, the leftover stuff in our pockets, but to give sacrificially. Next week, we're going to meet someone who did precisely that, someone who gave all she had. Friend, a house and a heart divided against itself cannot stand. Listen again, it cannot stand. As God challenges us about where we put our treasure, into his kingdom or into our storehouses, what he's doing is he's asking for our hearts. And the thing that happens is that as he has our hearts, we discover that they find a rest and a peace and a safety and a security that we never thought was possible. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. Whilst money can be a brutal master, something that so many people discover in life, it can also be a wonderful servant. And making that transition in your life is something that Jesus spoke rather a lot about. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Your Path to Financial Security. It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you ensure that money becomes your faithful servant and not your brutal master. And indeed, at the end of each chapter, you'll find some life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into your realities. To request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415, and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that it'll be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300-722-415. 
When it comes to mastering money, when we get to the point of wanting to relegate the wealth in our lives to the role of being the faithful servant that it should be, rather than the brutal master that it is, what we need is a change of heart. Problem is, for many, the desire for money and the things that it can buy has such a powerful grip on their hearts. The mere fact that many of us want to chase after wealth, we're drawn, we're tempted to serve the God of mammon instead of the living God, demonstrates we're human. See, it's a natural tendency of our flesh to war against God and to reject God. And every human heart desires security. And this place of struggle between holding on to all my money, devoting my life to making more on the one hand, and yet being prepared to open our hearts and our wallets to the needs that God calls us to be part of meeting, is such an intense struggle for many people. Especially, let me say, for two classes of people, the very, very rich and the very, very poor. And next week on the program, we're going to meet one of each of those and see how they responded to this challenge. As I mentioned earlier, for me, as a wealthy businessman who became a Christian later in life, it was a huge struggle to just get to the point of tithing my income. The, the more you earn, the bigger one-tenth of it is. Now, Jesus was human, and Jesus had his struggles too. Not with money so much, as it turns out, but he was tempted by the devil. We read about that in Luke chapter 4 and elsewhere. But he had another struggle, another temptation, a much bigger one actually, much later in his ministry. It was a life and death struggle in the garden called Gethsemane that demonstrated that this was not just the Son of God going to the cross, but also the Son of Man. This struggle shows us Jesus' humanity. Come with me and listen. Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here for a while while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to his disciples. And and you know what? He found them asleep. And he said, Peter, couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and and pray that you may not come into a time of trial. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for a second time and prayed, Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink from it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time the same words. See, three times he asks for this great burden of having to die on the cross to be taken away from him and yet three times he yields his will his very life to God his father he is prepared to die that he may bring life to many it's this same Jesus who said in Luke chapter 9 verse 24 for those who want to save their lives will lose them but those who lose their lives for my sake will save them and friend that applies so much to our money Those who cling on to it greedily serve another master. Those who follow God's call to give much of it away, even all of it, if that's what God demands of us, he does that sometimes, not always. Those people demonstrate they're serving the one true God. And for many, this struggle is so intense because their faith is in their money, in their wealth, in their security rather than God. They depend on wealth rather than this carpenter on the cross. 
and I have to tell you, I was there, I spent a lot of my time there, a lot of my early Christian walk there. I wanted to put my faith and my trust completely in my capacity to earn money. Let me tell you though, friend, money is not secure. Money fails. And the only way to change, the only way to trust God instead of money is to shift our treasure. For where our treasure is, there our heart will also be. Our heart follows our treasure. It's how I learned to overcome this struggle, truly from being a wealthy, selfish businessman hanging on to all my money, to being someone who now lives by faith in God on a daily basis. And as big a risk as that may seem up front, letting go of some of our wealth for Jesus' sake, letting go of a substantial proportion of our wealth for Jesus' sake, as scary as that seemed to me, now as I look back, I realise that I have a peace, I have a safety, I have a security in trusting in God that I never, ever, ever found when I was trying to trust in money. It's such an incredible paradox and it's such a difficult step sometimes to take a significant amount of money, not loose change, a significant amount of money and sow that into the kingdom of God where he calls us. My heart followed my treasure. Just as Jesus said, First I had to move my treasure, and then what happened? My heart followed along behind it. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Saviour and their Lord. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the Ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by giving us a call on 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called Your Path to Financial Security. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.